Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Some ways you have to self-promote in order to grow. Okay, yeah. And self-promote is an interesting concept. In order to grow, you need to get to the same to the next level. Mm-hmm. Self-promotion, in my mind, means actually starting to behave as if though you were in the other level. Self-promotion, a concept that I never heard before, but it got me thinking about other phrases that I heard in the past that got you to change your mindset, to get you to where you want to be. And the one that comes to mind is dressing for the job you want. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I am Edwin Frondozo. Thank you for taking the time to join me today on episode number 55. How are you doing? How's your day going? For me, I'm really thrilled and excited that you are here so I could share the conversation that I had with Ellie Alaner, the GM of Global Alliances at Pivotal. In our conversation, we talk about many topics, including the importance of making people feel and know that you care about them, what self-promotion actually means, and that success is not measured by how fast you reach the top. Our sponsors today is Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what the customers are actually saying when they're contacting you. Before getting started, I want to thank all of you who have left me comments. This one from Colin Weston. Edwin has created an engaging and informative podcast that only gets better each and every week. The Business Leadership Podcast is a great listen for not only Canadian entrepreneurs, but for anyone who is a passion to learn valuable business insights. Thank you, Colin. If you leave a review, I will be reading out the latest one on each episode. Now, here we go. Ellie, welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast. Thank you for having me. Why don't we just start off by introducing yourself to the listeners. Tell us who you are and what you like to do when you're not growing or leading businesses. Awesome. So I'm Ellie. I've worked for Pivotal. And when I'm not growing and leading businesses, I spend a lot of time with my family. I have two uh, young children uh, that I spend a ton of time with, and I really enjoy doing that. I try to help a little bit in the Toronto community, the startup community. I used to lead uh, founder dating over here with my good friend, Manny. Uh, and I try to contribute as much as I can. Can you tell us a little bit about Pivotal, your current roles, and maybe what you are trying to accomplish over the next 12 months? Sure. Awesome. So Pivotal helps w- the world's largest companies to build software. Mm-hmm. Uh, we help them through tools, through practices, through experience. When you think about large organizations uh, that have been in existence for tens and maybe hundreds of years, Mm -hmm. many of them until recently did not see software development as a core competency. Right. They're finding themselves in a world where Silicon Valley startups are really disrupting the way they do business, right? So Ford Motor Company has Uber, who's trying to build new mobility platforms, or Teslas, who's trying to compete for them. They come to companies like Pivotal to learn how to 
build software and, and use newer tools in the cloud to make it happen. My personal role in the company is I help Pivotal scale through partnerships. I lead a partnership with the world's largest company, world, world's largest software company, Microsoft, and we work with them to uh, both enable our software to run on their platform, co-market together, co-engineer products together, uh, and really help join customers uh, adopt when I was, you know, researching into Eli and, and looking back at your career, I mean, obviously, you've not only grown as a business leader um, today, but seemingly you also worked in, in amazing development projects. I mean, including the ones today, um, you have experiences. I mean, I think you were one of the first 50 engineers at AWS. Um, you also delivered AI and machine learning based experiences at Microsoft. So I'm really interested to know if you could share some key turning points or ideally Ellie, Ellie decisions that you had to make that eventually allowed you to grow as the business leader you are today. I think some of the key realizations I had to make, uh, and this came fairly early in my career is realizing that people above all makes the most, dif- most make the most difference. Mm-hmm. Right. So making sure that you work with some of the most amazing people you can, you learn the most out of them, you contribute. And I also not only worry about what you do, but also worry about how you behave to other people, how other people perceive you. Once you're done working with them, how are they going to recall what you've been doing with right. them? Yeah. Those are some of the most uh, insightful uh, ways I found to be able to grow my career and to be able to grow as a leader. So making sure that when I work with people, it's not only about, you know, getting something accomplished, getting something done, but also making sure that people uh, not only feel, but truly understand that I care about them, them as people and knowing what they, how they're going to think about this project once it's all done, done and finished. That's one of the key realizations that I had. The other realization that I had working is realizing that in some ways you have to self-promote in order to grow. Okay, yeah. And self-promote is an interesting concept, right? It has a couple of meanings. Uh, people would talk about, hey, self-promotion, aren't you making yourself, you know, shouting from roofs and all of that? I actually think of it as a second meaning of the word. Mm-hmm. When you think about self-promoting, you're doing a role right now and in order to grow, you need to get to the same, to the next level. Mm-hmm. Self-promotion, in my mind, means actually starting to behave as if though you were in the other level. You were at the level much higher than where you currently are. And once you do that, people start noticing. People start noticing you taking more initiative, you doing more. And when you do that, sure, you can talk about this and you can let other people know. That's something that, uh, that, that certainly is encouraged. But the way I think about it, hey, Self-promoting, going and doing more things, going and taking more initiatives and, you know, not necessarily when you're asked. The other thing that kind of came at me is like growing is not always something you do in the office. It's not only something you do in the office. Sure, yeah. Growing professionally is something you do often outside of the office, right? Be it going at meetups, going at meeting people. Going and doing research on your own. Mm -hmm. When you think about growing professionally, a lot of people think about, hey, I can do more things at work. Well, actually, a lot of times, making yourself better known outside of your office helps you internally as well. Those are some of the key turning points and some of the key realizations I came to as I, as I was growing my career and I, 
and things that I took took out of it myself and helped me promote, help me grow and help me get more things done. And that's that's great, Ellie. I I really loved this fact or this definition of self promoting. I mean. I think in the way it was coming in my mind, and maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong, is you could either wait for someone to give you that promotion or you actually promote yourself and just do the work and act the way you want to act. Is that sort of what you were meaning? Yeah, that's exactly it. So you act as if though you have a much bigger role, not in a demeaning way to anyone, but just taking much more responsibility. As a manager, right? If you think about yourself as a manager, when you have someone who reports to you and all of a sudden starts doing a lot more, it's a lot easier to promote them later on, right? right? Because they're already showing all the quantities. And as a manager, for example, if someone starts doing a lot more, uh, when you th- when you think whether you promote someone or not, you think, okay, so I'm going to promote that individual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're doing. Uh, how do I make sure that they're successful at the bigger role? If they're already showing you that they're successful at the bigger role, you're going to promote them to. That makes the decision much simpler. Right, so reversing that, if you want to get get ahead with your career, doing more, taking more responsibility, doing it in a way that shows others that you're capable of doing much more, helps you get there. I'm wondering, you know, with such a large organization, and you know, there's multiple offices and multiple leaderships in this this company. Can you share with us what are the most important decisions that that you make as a leader today? Most often, given the large scope and uh, the huge number of moving parts, mm-hmm. most often it's things you don't do. Okay. It's not only the things that you do because there are so many things you could be doing. Right, right. It's actually being able to focus and being able to direct the team to things that act, that will produce outcomes. Because at the role that I do and the, and, and, and the number of people I interact with, it's very easy to get you know, to, to, to be, to start doing the butter knife effect, doing very little for many, many, many people. Yes. Yes. That though might feel good that you're helping lots of people. The reality is it doesn't always produce the outcomes that you want it to produce. And oftentimes being able to focus, being able to say to the people, you're not going to help. I'm sorry. I will not be able to help you. Not because I don't want you, but simply because I can't. And focusing and actually executing on the things that you can do produces the best outcomes. I think that's one of the things that uh, some of the realizations and some of the decisions that I made recently uh, that are helping the company. Ellie, you've changed roles in companies. We, we briefly talked about this. And I know you mentioned you're back in Toronto, so you've obviously moved and changed locations as well. So can you share with us some of the things that you did to effectively adjust yourself to be successful? Or maybe a flip side to the question or a better question is, what did you wish you knew before making these key transitions? This is this is an interesting question for me because I vividly remember myself living in Seattle, working mm-hmm. for Microsoft. Uh, knowing that as a family, we wanted to move back to Toronto, yet being extremely scared. Okay. So the scary part was, it was fairly obvious to me that I could stay working in tech in Seattle, in Silicon Valley, and continue growing my career. Yet, Toronto represented uh, a scary place 
because I didn't know many people who were in the city. I did not know many companies that were growing and really doing things in the city. Sure. Uh, it was scary. It was scary because here I was living in Seattle, having spent the last seven years building my career. Uh, I know that I want to make a change personally, mm -hmm. yet how do I continue growing, right? Growth was a big, big factor for me and still is professionally. How do I continue my career? And I did a couple of things. Some of them were more effective than others. Okay. So on one hand, I said, okay, I'm, if I, if I don't know if I'm going to be fine, if I'm going to find myself in Toronto, I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm going to go and apply for some of the world's biggest big business schools, some of the best business schools. And I did apply and I did get in into, into a school in Chicago. Okay. Where I would have to commute to Chicago every weekend. And then the other thing that I did, is I reached out to the startup community in the city mm -hmm. who was kind, who was receptive, who was, who was ready to embrace me, who was ready to get to, to embrace leaders who were coming back with lots of experience from Silicon Valley. And I re vividly remember emails to David Crow, emails to Farhan, even emails to, uh, to, to Dan DeBow, who really embraced me. And I remember one morning waking up with, Tens of introductions from, from, from David Crow, right? To all the various leaders in Toronto. I remember coming back to Toronto and spending a week and a half having coffees nonstop with founders, with leaders, with people who were truly building things in the city and realizing, Hey, Toronto is really growing. It's early. You can get in. You can do lots of things. You can have impact. That was eye-opening for me, that ability to go and, you know, start interacting and really learn from people who were here, who were doing amazing things, was fascinating for me. I ended up not going to business school. I decided that was not the decision I wanted to take. And now looking back at it, I think that's what the right decision. I decided that I was going to double down on people. And that's why I decided to go and do leadership things and lead things in Toronto. The founder dating initiative that I did helped me connect with some of the, the folks in the city who wanted to find, find co-founders, who wanted to go and build things in the city. And that's one of the most amazing experiences I've had here and some of the things I'm most grateful for. So what do you think? Ellie has an interesting story and he really provides tangible insights from someone who is just working in and grinding and building leadership as he goes. If you're enjoying this episode, please sign up to our monthly newsletter where we share our latest episodes, interviews, some promotions, and we talk about guests who will be coming up as well. It's free and we won't spam you, I, I promise. So go to thebusinessleadership.com slash newsletter. Now let's get back to it. Can you share to the listeners, I mean, you're, you're sitting in Seattle, um, and maybe we don't know, but you wanted to come back to Toronto, so you have roots here. But did you have these connections already? I mean, you mentioned Farhan. No. So, so did you reach out cold? And, and, cold and, and how did you do it? Yeah. Cold email. So uh, <laughs> David Crow at the time was, uh, was at Microsoft. And I started doing research and I saw that he was, he was active and super active in the Toronto community. So I've reached out and said, Hey, we're in the same company. I'm going to be in Toronto. Let's do lunch. 
She's like, yeah, I can't do lunch, but what do you want? I'm like, I want to do this. I want, I'm moving to Toronto. This is my experience. She's like, great. Here's all the introductions. Like, this, this was mind-blowing to me, that you can, then someone could be that uh, receptive, that giving, uh, you know, basically introducing me to who's who in the city and giving me an opportunity to go and interact and learn. And the way I approached those conversations was more about, it's less about, hey, give me a job, but more about learning, more about how can I, can I grow? How can I help? And some of the people I got introduced to are some of my friends now. Some of the people I maintain relationships with, uh, some of them are, 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 are family friends, right? My wife and I host them for dinners. That's the level of connections that I was able to make. And that would not, ne- would have never happened. Have I stayed even in Seattle? Right. Right. Cause I was, I was set in my way. I was going to go be the single company or multiple company, uh, person. And here I was, the diversity, the, the, the need to change really forced me to grow as an individual to really realize some of the realizations that I told you earlier about. I sort of want to, it's sort of a tangent, but you did mention that, I mean, you're in this crossroads. Um, you weren't sure if you want to go to Toronto or maybe you should go to a business school. So now that you obviously, you made, you made the risk, you took the jump, you're here in Toronto, you're growing, you're thriving. Um, you know, business school is, is a thing in the past. So how are you now continuing to grow as, as that effective business leader? I mean, specifically within technology organizations. I think I usually, I, I go back to the, to the same, you know, realizations that I made earlier. It's people. Mm-hmm. How do I, I, I get to work with some of the world's smartest people that can teach me the most about technology, business, uh, and also be, I guess, self-aware enough and secure enough to go and ask, hey, I, we were in that conversation. You mentioned this. Why? I remember a conversation yesterday with, with a number of executives inside of Pivotal. And there was one discussion, that strategic discussion that we were having. Someone made a very insightful point. Hey, we should do this, but we should do it slightly differently. Uh-huh. And after the conversation, I went back to him like, okay, we were in that conversation. Can you tell me exactly what you were thinking when you were saying this? Yeah. Some of the other things that I, I realized is it's not only people. Uh, it's learning and also putting yourself yourself in a position where you can have the most impact because it's not only listening learning it's actually doing that helps you helps you make mistakes right and learn from those mistakes you know some of the other things i do i read a lot i have a commute now i do lots of audiobooks the toronto library is amazing they have an amazing collection of audiobooks that you can rent from your phone you know i spend 40 minutes on my commute every day. That's the time that I get for myself. So, so, That's the time that I get to listen. That's the time that I get to uh, spend time learning and learning not necessarily just from my industry, learning from other areas of humanity, learning from about business, learning about psychology, learning about technology. Those are all things that I really, really enjoy. Okay. No, that, that's, that's really important and really learning from people around you. Um, the team, even outside. Um, so, I mean, it's funny enough that you get that commute 
And I know a lot of people, not a lot of listeners are probably commuting right now. So what are you listening to or what are you reading now in your commute? Right now, I just finished Ellen Powell's uh, book called Vset. Okay. About uh, diversity and inclusion in, lar- in, in, in technology organizations. She talks specifically about the VC world. It was a bit of eye-opening to me because I worked with uh, many women and many people of color who've uh, talked to me about some of the, the uh, some of the challenges they were facing. Yet hearing someone as powerful as Ellen was, uh, or still is, uh, talk about some of those challenges that she faced as a, as a woman and a minority leader was fascinating to hear. Some of the previous books that I that 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 I read, uh, turned the ship around. Okay. Yeah. Really about leadership, you know, in a very different, uh, organization. Uh, the book talks about leadership on, on a submarine. And how do you turn a submarine that was, uh, a crew of a submarine that was not performing as well to a high performing crew? And those, 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 those lessons can be applied to the things you do in your business life, right? And other areas of, of, of your own life. Another highlight of, of a book that I've, I've recently read, Leadership BS. Oh, I like uh, that one. Which is, which is fascinating. It, it, it really talks, I think it takes a, a game theory look at leaders and how the leadership industry as a whole, uh, is promoting a set of, 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 of virtues mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that might not always be the, the things that leaders practice. Okay. In yeah. reality. Uh, and, uh, the book really looks at incentives. What incentives do leaders have? What incentives do, uh, what actually incentivizes leaders to act in particular ways? I found it fascinating to look at this and to actually look back and think, how do I act myself? Right. How do I not fall into some of the traps? How do I stay successful yet make sure that I don't fall in some of the easy traps to fall into in this, in this, in this world? Now, that's a really fascinating book. And, and we're going to list that, uh, list all the books that you mentioned on, on the episode website. And I'm actually really pretty interested in the last two that you mentioned. So I will, uh, I will add that on my uh, to do and to read list. I know you mentioned a number of books that you're reading now. You did mention a couple of business leaders here in Toronto that you had reached out to. I'm wondering if you, Ellie, if you could maybe name a person who had really a tremendous impact to you as a leader. So maybe someone who was either a mentor or a manager and, and, and why and how did they have that impact on you? So I can talk about, you know, many professional leaders that I've had who were, uh, great mentors. Some of the most toughest, uh, managers I've had are some of my biggest mentors today. Some of the people I learned the most from. But when I think about myself and I think about mentorship and who had the most impact on myself as an individual, I think of my grandfather. Okay. Yeah. So my grandfather uh, was a soldier in his use uh, in Soviet Union, fighting the Second World War, uh, uh, being of Jewish descent, uh, fighting for the Russian army, facing extreme adversity, uh, both from some of his own comrades who had certain views about him uh, because of his upbringing and because of his uh, 
uh, ethnicity. And also from the enemy, he knew exactly that, you know, that if he was to get captured, there would be, you know, torture and death and all extremely negative things that could ever happen. Mm -hmm. Yet he was able to maintain humanity. He was able to maintain uh, integrity. And he was able to maintain, uh, to go through all of those challenges uh, with a very, very clear understanding of who he was, what he could do or couldn't do. And he took some of those lessons and, uh, and taught me at a very young age about buying, about being true to your, to your word, about integrity, about, you know, adversity and how do you keep honest to yourself as you go through life. So when I think about mentors and when I think about, uh, lessons, I think of him most often. With that in mind, Ellie, what advice would you give someone who is probably going into a leadership position for, for the first time? So I think if you're going into leadership, a couple of things. I think the lesson about people and really deeply caring about people, both the people you work with, the people you lead, the people you touch, right? What would they think about you when, you, uh, when you're not there? How would they talk about you? Because those are the people, the people you work with, the people you interact with, who are going to be the foundation of your success as you go into the future. The other thing, the other lesson I think, uh, is don't necessarily be always in a rush to get to the mm -hmm. very top. Right. You know, getting to the top and failing is not, is not success. Getting to the top failing and not being able to recover is even worse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So hey, embrace, embrace the steps that you're taking. Position yourself for opportunities to learn. Position yourself for opportunities to have impact. Learn from actually doing things. Those are some of the key lessons. And, you know, self-promote. Go above and beyond. Uh, go and get involved with things outside of, outside of work. Things that would give you the experience and the opportunities you need to to get ahead with your career. If I were to ask any of your teams, your colleagues, you know, former peers, what's the best leadership quality that Ellie possesses? What, what do you think they would say now? Interesting question. <laughs> I think a couple of things come to mind. I think listening, being able to listen. I think that's, that's, I don't know if it's, it's not the unique quality, but something that I, I try to do as much as I can. Uh, listen, process, understand. Uh, what are the incentives? Why, what are the people saying? How are they acting? How are they trying to rationalize, uh, and help deal with ambiguity? You know, the industry we work in has a lot of ambiguity. People, you know, you work in, a, in large organizations or smaller organizations, lots of things are happening all over the place. Being able to listen, rationalize, build a model, help others is, is, uh, a quantity that, uh, a quality that I think, I think others appreciate. Not a you know, and then being able to use the model, use the thinking to drive to actually produce things and produce outcomes, 
right? Be it, you know, start start small, but going places and not being stuck at this, hey, lots of things are coming at us. How do we how do we deal with this? What what do we do? Right? Being able to listen, create a model, start acting, maybe even in small ways to get to the outcomes. And as you move along the path, you realize things you could be doing and things you could be doing better. So what else, Ellie? Do you have any other special projects, initiatives, or anything fun that you're really looking towards or and really excited about? So I think the key things that I'm looking forward for the next you know, year or two is to look at how I can leverage what I've done already to help others. Mm-hmm. So be it... Uh, you know, people who are building companies, uh, enterprise companies in Toronto, or people who are looking to get into the cloud space. I think cloud uh, is exploding. Mm-hmm. It's been here for a decade, but it's still growing in a, an incredibly rapid phase. I get a chance to be at the front. You know, I get front row seats over here doing the work that I do, being at the company that I'm in, getting to see some of the world's largest companies, you know, going through this transition. I can help lots of others who are trying to get into the industry, trying to uh, learn, trying to, uh, you know, move. That's that's an area that I can totally get others uh, excited about. Before we end, I know you had a lot of nuggets that you shared when it comes to listening, self-promotion. Um, but do you have any other final thoughts, other observations, ideally actionable recommendations that you could share with the growing emerging business leader who are who's listening today i think i mean i've talked a lot about lots of things one of the ways that i found found easy uh, I, I, one of the ways i found uh to be able to apply some of those lessons that I've talked about in my own career and leveraging from some of the practices that Amazon does internally. Okay. So Amazon, when you're working in a new project, uh, you write a press release before you start working on a project. You write a press release of what would, what would you want it to say when you're done? What would the, uh, takeaway for uh, a consumer or somebody else in the industry be when you're done working on that project. An interesting way I found to apply it to my own career is to write my resume before I start doing something. I love that. Right? So actually think about what you want to accomplish or write your your accomplishments you want to accomplish in your current role in the end of the year. Write it in the beginning. Right? When you think about how people think about, you know, Goals, think, people think about what they want to do. Set what you wanted to say at the end in the beginning, right? Just, just do it. Just write what you wanted to say. And then you have a roadmap. You have a, a template of what, and things will change and you will do things differently and you will change what the goals are and all of that. But if you put a lens of, okay, once I'm done with this, what do I want it to say? What do I want to be able to talk about? And you will not always be able to do everything you you set your goals to. And you would often have to do a lot of work that is unrelated because you're part of a team and because you, you need to do this work. But if you set your goals early and really think about if you were to look back, what would you want to what what you would have wanted to show and what you would wanted it to say? Love it. As a simple way to crystallize 
and to to set yourself straight on the on what you want to accomplish. Oh, that's great. And I think I'm about to write a press release as well for the next three, <laughs> six, 12 months for me. But uh, Ali, hate to end, but before we close, please tell us where we can find more information about you, Pivotal, or anything else you'd love to share to the listeners today. Sure. So I'm, I'm on, obviously, on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Uh, Pivotal is obviously in all the social pl- platforms. I would love to talk to folks. Uh, I'm here in Toronto. Most of the time, I'm here, easy to go for coffees. If people want to learn more, uh, just shoot me an email or find, find me on Twitter. Uh, usually very receptive uh, and willing to both listen and give back. Awesome. Well, Ellie, it's been a blast. Thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thank you. That's it, folks. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast, episode number 55 with Ellie Alenaire. If you want to learn more about Ellie Pivotal or anything else we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 055. Our sponsors today is Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technologies. If you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Well,